there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it, so it is with everyone who is born in the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Galatians 5, 22-23 and 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Whenever we get into a relationship with somebody, we're always asking ourselves, whether we realize it or not, what are this person's intentions for me? They swiped right on me. Swipe right is good, right? Or like, depending on how you look at it. Um, They swiped right on me. What are their intentions for that right swiping? Like, are they just looking to be romantic with me tonight? Or are they looking for something long term? Um, Your dad might ask this if you bring someone home, right? Like, what are are your intentions for my daughter? Um, That can work on a, a very personal relationship or also in a big relationship. Like, we're about to inaugurate a new president on Friday, and regardless of how you feel about that, I think all of us are asking, like, what are this person's intentions for us as a nation? Like, where does he want to take us? What does he want to do? And it's the same in our relationship with God. Um, We are all quietly, whether we realize it or not, wondering, what does God intend for me? Like, what does he want to do in my life? What does he want me to do? And the short answer to that question is, if you belong to Jesus, like if if you have um, said yes to Jesus, if you know Jesus, God's intention for you is to make you like Jesus, okay? To give you the character of Jesus, Um, not like make you a clone of Jesus, but to give you the sort of virtues and characters that Jesus has. Another way to say that 
would be that God's intention for you is to make you a fully human person. Okay, Jesus in the life that he lived among us was the most full and beautiful and robust human life that's ever been lived. And I think if you read the Gospels that are about Jesus' life, you would pick that up. And God wants to make you fully human in the same way that Jesus is fully human. Does that make sense? Um, A summary that the Bible gives us of what that character looks like is what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God wants to give you those character traits. He wants to develop that fruit in you. And he wants to make you fully human like Jesus. And here's why that matters for you, regardless of where you're coming from tonight. I'm aware of the fact that in the room, we're all coming from very different places. Some of us don't even kind of know where we're coming from. Regardless of who you are, that matters to you because you want to be a whole person. I don't know all of you super well, but I do know that each of you want to be a whole person. Nobody in this room wants to be the person that is just content with making it through a day, right, and just getting by. I think each of us want to be, however you would define it, the person that God made you to be, to live to your potential, to be a real human being that really does things that matter in the world. And that's what we're going to look at this semester. We're going to look at these fruit of the, this fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and all that, and we're going to see how do we become fully human in the world And this exchange between Jesus that you have in your handout, between Jesus and a guy named Nicodemus, is a great place for us to start as we think, what does it look like from God's perspective for us to be fully human? Okay, so what do we know about this person named Nicodemus? Number one, he has an amazing name. Um, I'm jealous. I would love to have the name Nicodemus, um, but I just have the name, Jesus' last name, Um, Chris. Um, All right, so he has an amazing name. Um, It's also not Jesus' last name. Jesus Christ means Savior. Anyway, um, the passage says, look in verse 1 on your handout, he was a man of the Pharisees. He was a ruler of the Jews. What that means is, as he he was a Pharisee, he was someone that took his religious life and his um, nationality as an Israelite very seriously. Um, It also meant that he was a um, very important and looked up to person in society. He was seen as learned, sophisticated, uh, savvy. He is a role model. This guy, because he's a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews, he is the kind of person that Israelite mamas and daddies want their kids to grow up to be like, right? Um, He's someone that people look up to. People liked him. He was likable. Uh, But look in verse 2 as well. It says, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Not only is he looked up to, not only is he a serious guy, not only is he smart, not only is he successful, he's also open-minded. Because he's coming to Jesus, who is basically this poor, random, traveling teacher from some backwater podunk town. And this guy comes to him at night, because he couldn't go during the day, because people would see him. You know, you only do things at night, by the way, that you don't want people to see, just FYI. Um, Just file that away for later. Um, He comes to Jesus, and and he's complimentary. He says, he calls him rabbi. He says, I know God's with you. This means that not only is he smart and well thought of, he is open-minded. He's cosmopolitan. He's not this, like, closed-minded, super strict, religious guy. Think um, Tom Hanks, okay? Tom Hanks is the kind of person that, like, everyone's like, 
He's a nice looking guy. Okay, he's obviously very talented. Um, he's successful, right? And he's likable. My aunt hates Tom Hanks. Uh, she's the only person I've ever heard utter something as weird as, I hate Tom Hanks. He's like the least hateable person that you could possibly imagine. Like, you think, that guy seems like he's doing the human life pretty well. You know, like we look up to him. Or um, like Tina Fey. Okay, Tina Fey, she's smart, she's beautiful, she's successful. Jack is shaking his head, so this is maybe a bad example. Um, people look up to her, but she's also open-minded, right? Um, Idris Elba, okay? Uh, Andy's British, which makes them even more. Um, <clears throat> suffice it to say, Nicodemus is a person that people look at and go, that person is living their human life to the fullest. That's someone that we look up to. And uh, look at what Jesus tells him when he comes to him. He's very complimentary to him. And Jesus says to him in verse 3, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Um, This guy who is doing humanity well, he's living the full life. Jesus says, look, um, you have to start completely over. And that's the first point here. To be fully human, you have to start completely over. You have to start from the beginning. Jesus is basically saying, Nicodemus, you think you know what God is up to, um, but you can't even see. You're blind. You have no idea what's going on unless you are born again. No matter how put together, no matter how successful, beautiful, or liked, or not, you are. We all start from a position, Jesus is saying, of spiritual blindness. A position of ignorance, a position of need, right? And Jesus explains why. Look at verse 4 through 6. Uh, Nicodemus has no idea what he's talking about. Uh, so you're saying I need to go back into my mother's womb and be born again. That seems very uncomfortable for everybody involved. Um, and Jesus says, look, I, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Jesus isn't saying, your humanness is bad, like your flesh is bad. What he's saying is this, you can be physically alive and like living life and still have not been born spiritually so that you are not alive to what God is doing spiritually in the spiritual realm because God is a spirit. Think of it like this. Um, Let's say that in in your backyard at the Highlands um, or outside East Hall, that you have an apple tree and you're feasting on apples. They're great apples. Let's say they're Fuji apples because everyone likes Fuji apples. Um, And you go, but you know what? I'm kind of tired of this fruit. I would actually like oranges. I I would like to have some oranges now. Now, you can go to your tree and you can do a lot of things to your tree to try and get oranges. Okay? Some things we try to do to try to to change the fruit in our lives, we might say, we'll just give it more good things. Okay? Just take better care of the tree. Uh, I'll fertilize it. I'll water it a lot. I'll make sure it's plenty well taken care of. Give it good things. But all you're going to get is is bigger apples, right? Um, You could take the opposite approach. You go, you know what? This tree has too much. This tree, actually, I need to take away some bad things off this tree. I need to cut away all the bad stuff. So you might cut off a bunch of branches. These branches don't look super healthy. I'm going to cut off all these branches. But you're not going to get oranges. Actually, what you're going to get is more apples, right? The tree actually produces more the more that you cut it back. If you want oranges, you have to start over. You have to get rid of the apple tree and plant a new tree. 
And that's what we try, we try to do when we try to make a change in our life and go, I'm going to pursue more good things or I'm going to get rid of more bad things in my life. But what Jesus is really saying is you have to be reborn. You have to start completely over um, to get the fruit that God wants to bring in your life. We need God simply to work a miracle in us if he's going to make us fully human. And as Nicodemus shows us, that is true for you no matter what kind of person you are. No matter whether you see yourself as a very spiritually successful person or a very spiritually desolate and poor person, um, becoming like Jesus is not natural for anybody. Um, You have to be born again. And that is why the most non-Christian thing a person could possibly do is to be self-righteous. The most non-Christian thing you could do would go, I'm going to distinguish myself from other people based on their morality. Because what Jesus is, is saying to us is like, look, none of you are getting it right. Like, no one is naturally closer or more in tune with God. We all have to be born again. And conversely, the most Christian thing you could do and you can do is actually engage with other people in love, especially when they are different from you. Um, This is the best rationale, I think. If you're looking for community, everybody's looking for some kind of community, right? And currently what we're doing is we're only finding people that look and sound exactly like us so we don't have anything to be offended about. And uh, and we just just sort of huddle up with them. But actually the best rationale for broad, diverse, robust community is that, you know, we all start out the same and we're all kind of blind and no one really gets it. And we need God to be gracious to us. That is a beautiful place to start. I don't think there's a better argument for reconciliation racially, culturally, between you and your roommate, between you and your, and your mom or dad, than, than that. Um, we both need God to be kind to us. That's a beautiful place to start. That's humility, actually. Um, so to be fully human, you need to start completely over. You've got to be born again. But also, if you want to be fully human, you need new life. That's the second thing that Jesus is showing us. Part of what makes Jesus so amazing, some of you guys are able to, to be like very loving and affirming, but it's hard for you to be very honest. Some of you guys are very, very honest, but it's hard to be loving and affirming. Jesus is radically both a truth teller and super honest, is honest, like very uncomfortably honest, and also very uncomfortably affirming and loving. He's being radically honest and radically loving with Nicodemus. He's saying, look, Nicodemus, your situation is so hopeless, you can't even see You need to be reborn. Um, But he's offering Nicodemus and us something more than we could possibly imagine. Look at your passage again. Look down at verse 16. If you've ever watched a football game, you've probably seen someone holding a sign that says John 3.16. This is what that passage is, so we finally figured it out. Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life life. Jesus says, the gift that I can give to you is not just to help you start over, but to give you a new life. Jesus simply at the cross gives his life to give you new life that is eternal. New life that's spiritual. A new life with God. He's saying, when you get reborn, you're born into a new family. Into a completely new life. Look, two children can grow up together. Some of you guys have like a childhood best friend. Okay, that you grew up in like, oh, they were in my church or they lived on my street. I, I can't even remember. We crawled around together as babies. But if, you, if you're not related, 
you can grow up and share all the same life experiences, but the thing that's going to determine the kind of person that you turn out to be, how tall you are, what you look like, what your tastes are, um, and a lot of your personality is, is not where you grew up, but actually the family that you come from. That there are things that are passed down to you genetically that you can't control, that they, term, they determine who you are going to be. Uh, and the same is true spiritually. When a person is born of the Spirit, of God's Spirit, um, they are given a, a whole new life, a whole new spiritual family, a whole new spiritual DNA. So that the person that you're becoming actually changes. Jesus says that which, a bo- what, which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. You see how the fruit changes, the tree changes, the person changes. The new life that Jesus gives to you is not a tweak to your life. Um, It's not a lifestyle change. The new life that Jesus gives to you, as a friend of mine says, um, is not a new app, but it's a new operating system. Like It's a completely new way of doing life. Um, you've got to be powered down and shut down completely and then brought into a new life, a new beginning. Um, and it's because of this gift that you begin to develop different fruit, that you begin to develop a different character, that you begin to be able to become human in the way that Jesus is human. You're a new tree, so you bear different fruit. And look, um, everybody in this room uh, wants to change and grow. Um, that's another thing I know about every person in this room without even having to talk to you. Um, there are things that you really don't like about yourself. And some of you are saying, I left those things in the last semester. <laughs> um, this semester is going to be strikingly similar to last semester in a lot of ways. <laughs> Mostly because that was just like six weeks ago. Um, we all have things that we don't like about ourselves. Actually, a lot of things that we hate about other people are things that we don't like about ourselves, and then when other people do them, they make us abhor them because we're really dissatisfied with ourselves. And my question for you is, like, whether you know Jesus or, or don't, how are those attempts to change yourself coming along for you? Um, you know, like, we're only a couple of weeks into January of 2017. Like, where is the power, where is the drive coming from to make significant change? Not changes like to your eating habits. I'm talking about changes to like, I want to be a person that is patient. Like, I want to have goodness. I want to be a faithful person. I want to love people well and not just so I can, what I can get from them. Um, could it be that you actually need new life? Um, Jesus offers that freely to you. Because he laid down his life, it's free to you because it cost him everything. And look, that is why you can trust Jesus when he says, I want to give you something good. Because look at what it cost him to get it for you. He gave up his life for you and the offer is free. To be fully human, you need new life. And this, this is the last point. We'll end on this. To be fully human, you need to learn how to walk. See how you need to be reborn. You need new life. You need to learn how to walk. You know, all children have to learn how to walk. Um, the new life that God gives you when you come to faith in Jesus, which is simply saying yes to Jesus, um, is a work of grace. Like, none of you asked to be born. Some of you have told your parents that. I didn't ask to be born, okay? Um, and in a sense, it's a work of grace that your mother gave birth to you, right? It cost her a lot, and you didn't have any input <laughs> in it one way or the other. Um, 
it is spiritual. This is something God doing something to you and for you. But it completely changes how you live your life from this point on. The new life that Jesus gives. Look at verse 8. I love what Jesus says here. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. What he's saying is this. When you're born of the Spirit, He moves you around, and you follow a path that looks almost invisible, especially to people around you. But you're following Him. That Spirit is now our guide. This is what Paul says uh, in Galatians 5, which is on the other side of the sheet. He says, look, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. The new life that we have in Jesus is not passive. We follow a new leader, and His name is the Holy Spirit. And basically what Jesus is saying is, since you have been reborn... Live that new life now. Um, Harry Potter illustrates this more beautifully, I think, than, than anything else. Um, and, I, and I love Harry Potter. Um, when the letters arrive at Privet Drive, um, for Harry to come to Hogwarts, okay? We're familiar with Harry Potter. This is a thing. Okay. Um, I had to ask him before I started, are we still using Tinder? Because I'm going to use this right swiping thing. Okay. Um, when the letters come to Privet Drive from Hogwarts, um, Harry suddenly, in an instant, has a new identity and a new life. He thought he was just an orphan kid. His parents died in a car accident. He finds out, I'm a wizard. Like, my parents died saving me from this, from this dark wizard, right? Uh, a life that is unimaginably better than what he could have imagined in the cupboard under the stairs suddenly comes into, into Harry's life, Right? But it is precisely because of the new identity that he receives by grace, that he never asked for, never even imagined, that he actually leaves Privet Drive and goes and lives a new life, actually learns to walk in a new life. He has to learn an entire new way of living, an entire new way of talking, an entire new money system, right? An entire new way of seeing the world. Um, one that is in step with his, his identity as a wizard, right? He's no longer just some kid. He's someone that matters in the world. And that path, if you've read or watched, is fraught with pain. Um, I think the pain that Harry deals with when he goes to Hogwarts and beyond is much more intense than he would have dealt with if he had stayed at at Privet Dread. It's not easy to become the person that you really are um, at all. But let me ask you this. Would, if Harry had stayed at Privet Drive? Um, would he have been any less of a wizard? I mean, no, right? I mean, his parents were still wizards. They still had the blood. They still who he was, right? It wouldn't have changed who he was. Would it have been very, very sad? Absolutely. Um, his new identity propels him into this unimaginable life, one that is more challenging than he could possibly imagine, and one that is more beautiful and amazing that he possibly could have imagined. And that is the new life that Jesus is calling you to walk by in his, by his spirit. Um, one that is completely active for you. An identity that when you're reborn in Jesus pushes you out into a completely new way of living. And I guess my question for you is, if you know Jesus, we're going to deal with this all semester, 
Are you keeping in step with the Spirit? Are you walking in the new identity that Jesus has given you by His grace? Um, Are you learning to walk in newness of life? Or are you just staying under the stairs? Um, Because you're afraid and you know it's going to be painful. Um, Jesus never promises you something that will be easy, but he never promises something that won't give you eternal life. Two expectations that we'll close on. As you step out either for the first time or for a new time um, into becoming human like Jesus, the first is this. Um, Remember that becoming like Jesus um, does not come naturally to you or to anyone else. And it actually takes a lifetime to develop by God's plan. Um, And you have to lean on Jesus continually for grace in this. Um, This guy named John Owen said, you have a weak faith, but a strong Christ. That That is the mantra of a Christian. I have a weak faith, and I have a strong Jesus. And the second is this. Remember, it's the fruit of the Spirit and not the gifts of the Spirit. Um, Sometimes you are super discouraged about yourself or you're super angry and annoyed with someone else because you're looking for gifts. And you're evaluating how well you're doing based on how gifted you are. And I want to remind you that it's fruit, virtue, character that God is producing in you regardless of what your gifts are. God intends to make you like Jesus, to make you a real human. Uh, And the question for us for the rest of the semester is, are you going to follow him in that? Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much that you not only um, help us to start over and that you give us new life, but you push us out into a life that is amazing and beautiful and full and rich. And that's scary. And wherever... My friends are tonight. Um, I ask that you would meet them there um, and help them to see what you have for them. It's eternal life. And it's by your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.